Hello and welcome to the Greatest Games Podcast brought to you by 816 Basketball. I'm one of your hosts, Brian Rosefield, and I'm joined by my co-host, Chris de Blasio. Thank you for welcoming me as always, Brian. Great oh, to be here. It's my pleasure. Uh, as we know, the Greatest Games Podcast is a chance for us to catch up with basketball coaches from around the country and have them tell us about their greatest games they were a part of as a coach. We don't put any limits. It could be their time as an assistant coach, a head coach, B-team coach. It could be a win, a loss, a state championship, the first game they ever coached, just whatever they consider to be their greatest game. Well, today's a special one for me. So today we're welcoming in John Combs, who just finished his first season as the head boys basketball coach at Westwood High School in Blythewood, South Carolina. But it's special for me because known John for a long time. He gave me my first shot as his JV coach at Ridgeview High School. So, John, welcome on in. Well, Brian, Chris, thank you all very much for having me in today. It's, it's certainly exciting to be here. You sound terribly excited, too. <laughs> <laughs> I am. I'm super excited. I mean, I'm, I'm on with you two dudes. So, I mean, what else a person could be happy with on a Tuesday night? It is Tuesday night, right? Who knows what night? Who knows what night we're recording this? There is, uh, there might be a little, for those listening, there might be a little inside basketball, uh, a lot of inside jokes and inside stuff, because John and myself and Brian have known each other for going on 20 years now. We worked together at the University of South Carolina, then I helped out at Ridgeview as a volunteer with you guys, so uh, we've been through the ringer, the three of us. Yeah, we're, we're getting old, for sure. <laughs> tell you what, the... The gray hairs that I have and the hairs that I used to have uh, are certainly evidence of that. I tell you what, uh, John, I was 23 when I met you. Was that gosh? That, that okay. was a long time ago. Great thing. So you were 23 when you started at, at USC, boss? Yeah. Right out of college, I got the job at Kentucky. I was 21 when I got hired at Kentucky. I had just graduated. I hadn't even turned 22 yet. How about that? And, John, you were, at that point, you were the special assistant at that point, right? Blas, what year was that when you started? Uh, was uh, 99 – no, 2000, 2001 season. It was um, Greg uh, Taylor, Mike Boynton, and Rolando Howell were freshmen. Yep. That was my last year at South Carolina with Coach – that was Coach Fogler's last year yes. at South Carolina. Yeah, I remember that very, very well. Hmm. How about that? Those were, those were good days for me. I'll tell you what, I was, uh, was living the dream, being a, being a student manager at the time, wiping up sweat for those guys that I'd idolized for a couple of years and filling up water bottles. And um, I'll tell you what, I'll never forget sitting in the back of that team meeting room when when coach announced his retirement, I was just just stunned and just just I just I couldn't believe it. It was it was uh, what a what a moment that was. It was it was a, it was a very difficult moment, and the only thing that was probably more difficult than that moment for me was when we lost to, to UConn and the NIT, that, which was end up being our last game. And those are just some of those things you just remember. It was it was certainly a very difficult moment for sure. Well, John, why don't you uh, bring us through uh, your resume as a coach? Uh, just kind of talk about the places you've coached and worked that got you to where you are today at Westwood. Well, my love of basketball really started when I was at Irmo High School. And 
um, worked in, I worked with the Irmo High School basketball program. I was a student manager there. I, I wasn't quite good enough to be a player. And, um, I always kind of joke around and tell people that uh, me and BJ Mackey were a package deal. Um, <laughs> since I got BJ, I decided to go along as well. So, you know, we, we were able to kind of make that work. Um, I, I was a student manager with Coach Fogler, as we alluded to earlier, for four years. And then Coach Fogler was so gracious enough when uh, Coach Jeff Lebo got an opportunity to become the head uh, coach at Tennessee Tech. And he bumped up Barkley Radeball to give me an opportunity to be the special assistant at the time um, with him. And then we were, I was there for three years with him with that. And then when he resigned, it basically meant I resigned as well. And um, yes, yeah, you know, thank you. Have a good day. Um, and started my high school coaching career. Um, had an opportunity to do some, maybe some small college, junior college opportunities, but um, it just, it's nothing excited me. So I have an opportunity to go, uh, be an assistant basketball coach and a teacher at Spring Valley High School. And I was there for three years before I got my first head coaching job in the mid-2000s at uh, Silver Bluff High School. I was there for one year. And then after that, I was very fortunate to get the head boys basketball coaching job at uh, Ridgeview High School. Well, we were there for 11 great years. I had a lot of, a lot of good times. And, and then I ended up uh, for three years. I, I left uh, Ridgeview to go to Ben Lippin School. as where my daughter's go to school and I wanted to be uh, closer to them so I spent three solid very educational years there and then this past year I was at um, at Westwood High School as Brian alluded to earlier so I'm back in Richmond School District 2 and so that's try to, that's the Cliff Notes version of my resume so far. I completely forgot you were at Silver Bluff for a year now when you said it it triggered my memory and I remember you being there for that year yeah I, I yeah forgot. It, I mean it was really, I was so fortunate that I don't even realize how fortunate I was to get that job as my first head coaching job. The reason I say that is because we were, we were really talented at Silver Bluff. Uh, we had one of the, their first division one basketball players, Bobby Davis, that ended up going to USC upstate. Um, he went to play Juco ball out at Hutch and uh, he, we were good. We ended up winning a region championship and, you know, I thought I knew what kind of what I was doing. I just had really good players. Um, you know, so it, we, we lost in the second round of the playoffs that year to a team that had Lee Central High School that had Mike Holmes. And it was a really good game. It just uh, never a team that ended up playing for a state championship that year. But that was a, I was very fortunate that, um, that we were good at, at Silver Bluff that year. Silver Bluff, is that where Brandon Wallace went to high school? Yes, I came in the year after Brandon left. Okay, okay, that's why I thought he was a Silver Bluff, uh, Silver Bluff kid. And Brandon went on to have a, a a great career at South Carolina, and almost jumped on with the the Celtics, as I remember. Like he was one of those kind of he was in training. He was game. in training camp with them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now an assistant over at Gray Collegiate, and maybe one day we'll get him on this on this podcast for, for sure. So, um, yeah, I remember following you down there, Silver Bluff. I've actually got a, I don't know if I've ever told you this, John, I've got a, a, a newspaper article posted, uh, one of my bulletin boards upstairs about how great of a job you were doing. And I'm trying to know the, the, the writer that's escaping me right now, but it was really neat to be able to know you as a, as a manager and then get to see you go on and then start to do great things and be able to stay in touch with you. And then, be fortunate enough to, to, to get a shot to 
the coach with you at, at Ridgeview once you made that jump. Well, certainly very fortunate to be able to, you know, to, to get you to come over uh, to Ridgeview. I mean, you know, that was such a blessing to be able to, to get you to come over there. And you were the JV coach, I want to say, for nine years, That's right. if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. My last year at Ridgeview, you, were, you ended up being my boss and the athletic director. So <laughs> you didn't fire me right away. So that was a... <laughs> That was a that was a good good step. But that was one of the best things I ever did to be able to get you on there for, you know, nine years. You, you certainly uh, did a great job with our, our JV program and just helping out our, our whole program and help building our culture. Oh, I appreciate that. Kind words, very kind words. It was a time of my life, that's for sure. <laughs> I was there for two years, but I guess we forgot about that. <laughs> well, this is the, the podcast is long. We still got some time to come. <laughs> <laughs> coach uh let's keep this we'll keep this to high school because obviously you worked in the sec for a bunch of years but we'll keep this question to high school who is the best player you ever coached against you could put the sec in it it doesn't matter it's zion williams oh okay <laughs> i didn't know you coached against zion <laughs> we uh coached him for uh two times at uh ben lippin my first year at ben lippin um I'll never forget, I got the job at Ben Lippin, and we didn't have all of our games scheduled yet. And I remember hearing that there was some kid from South Carolina named Zion Williamson that won the MVP of the NBA Players Top 100 camp. And he happened to be at Spartanburg Day. And I've always wanted to play against really good players, uh, and guys that, you know, uh, players want to look forward to playing. Okay. Real basketball players enjoy playing against other really good players. And so as a result, I remember I emailed their AD as soon as I found it out at Spartanburg Day. So, hey, would you, do you have any games available? And, and I say this, I've never seen the kid play once. I just read about it. And, uh, you know, she agreed, and they had a couple of dates. And one of them was one in December at our place on Friday night. And one of them was uh, in January at their place. And um, I, I had no idea at the time how good the kid was. And then it was about a week or two out, about a week out before we played them. that I started watching the full games of him playing. And I was like, oh, my God. It was, <laughs> it was unlike anything I've ever seen. I've never seen guys off of one step do a 360. I've never seen guys they, – they were throwing double alley-oop plays. You know, you just – it was the craziest thing I've ever seen. And – when we played them for the first time, it was on a Friday night, and um, it was just the buzz on him was just starting to get really, really big. Like the, he was the YouTube starting to become that YouTube sensation. He was scoring 30, 40, 50 a night some nights and just dunking all over the place. And well, I remember the day before practice or day before the game, we were having a practice, and I told the Told our guys, I said, if you give Zion a free lane uh, to the goal, he's going to dunk on y'all hard, and y'all going to be seen by hundreds of thousands of people. Just let them have it. Well, I was wrong. That We gave him a free lane. They threw him a, a lob. He caught an alley-oop windmill dunk that ended up being his first ESPN number one play of the day. So, no, it wasn't seen by hundreds of thousands. It was seen by millions of people. Um, but the, the kid was just unbelievable. Uh, he, he really was. And that's uh, for those that know, don't know Coach Combs. Uh, he is the king of just emailing people or calling people up and saying, "Let's play." When we when I was working with you guys at Ridgeview, we went up and played Oak Hill Academy. 
I mean, we just got on a bus, drove to Virginia, played, got on the bus, and drove home. And Galax, Virginia is not that close to Columbia, South Carolina, for anyone that's ever looked at a map. It wasn't that far, but it was, <laughs> yeah. But uh, you're right. Why not? I, I will tell you, all the kids that we've ever coached, I truly believe they all enjoyed the trip to play Oak Hill Academy. The, we did it two or three different times. I always believed kids would rather play against really good competition and remember playing against a Quinn Cook or a Keith Tiny Gallon or a Deron Lamb, even if we couldn't stop them, even if they gave us 30. They would rather play in games like that than play against somebody that they're going to beat by 30. We did get, uh, we did get the alley-oop dunk off an, a side inbounds to Mike Green the one year in Oak Hill. Yes, I, I do remember that. And we've actually – got a great picture of, of that. I mean, other than, you know, there was times our, the guys that needed to compete competed very well. And I truly believe we were a better basketball team because we competed in those games. I'll tell you, was that the year that he had the dunk at Oak Hill and then got a chance to dunk at Madison Square Garden too? Was that the same, was that the same year he, or he had to, he got that done in his career? Do you remember? I, I think it was, that's a it good was question. next year. Oh, it was the next, next year. year that we went up and played uh, Coach DiBattista's Bishop England team in Madison Square Garden. Mm-hmm. And then the next day, we took a train over to New Jersey and scrimmaged St. Benedict's mm-hmm. when Danny Hurley was coaching them, and they were one of the best teams in the country. I'll tell you, it's just uh, – I, I learned a lot from you, John, with that, just not being afraid to play anybody and – as I've developed my philosophy as a, now as an AD to provide experiences for kids, you know, what, I mean, geez, to go to Oak Hill, to go to Madison square garden, to take a train up a subway, go over to New Jersey and play St. Benedict's all the things that they got to do just because of your vision and creativity. It was just, it was, it was fantastic. And I, I will never forget. I tell the story all the time, getting on that airplane and it lifting off the runway with a, a plane full of kids, most of them had never been on an airplane, and hear them go whoop, 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 whoop and just like, oh, we're we're in the air, like we you can't go anywhere, <laughs> like that's it. They just it was a, such a thrill. <laughs> There's no doubt those. I think those experiences when you can do things like that. I mean, we even took our guys and and played Calhoun County when they had Alshon Jeffrey. I mean, nobody supposedly wanted to play those guys. But I would tell you, I would bet, you know, the Jarvis Davis of the world, Mike Green, they're glad, I'm sure, that they played, had a chance to play guys like that instead of playing guys that we should beat nine out of ten times. Now, it might not help our record, but our guys certainly enjoy that. I mean, to me, the one of the best atmospheres we ever played in is when we hosted Oak Hill Academy for the first time uh, way back. when That was when Oak Hill had Sandarius Thorn. What? No, I'm sorry. That was the second time. It was when they had Quinn Cook. Mm-hmm. And that was just a tremendous atmosphere there at Ridgeview High School. Yeah, it's incredible. Absolutely incredible. Now, I, I know a little bit about this, but I'd, I'd love for you to tell our, our listeners about this. But your, what led you to becoming a high school coach and, and the, the things that you, I guess, the, the role that you see that you play as a high school coach with, with these kids? Well, to me, this has evolved over time. Now, to me, being a coach was always about wanting to help kids. It's always been about that. But it is also one, part of it. When I first started, I will fully admit, 
It was probably more about wins and losses <laughs> in addition to wanting to help kids. It was about helping kids become the best that they can be. But over time, to me, it's more about helping them become the best man and men that they can be. I'm a lot more concerned about them being a, a great husband, a great father, and a great leader uh, than I am uh, just a great basketball coach. But I'm a firm believer that if you become a, the best possible man that you can be and you pick the right guys to be a part of your bus, be a part of your program, that that shouldn't sacrifice anything about you maximizing your potential on the basketball court. So, you know, I wanted to compete at high level. I wanted to help young men. The game of basketball was really good to me. I really enjoyed it. And I felt that you can learn so much uh, through the game of basketball to help you, you know, grow into being a man in life. I'll always respect that about you and just a story to go along with that. Uh, I wasn't approved to be a coach yet. I'll never forget this. Um, but uh, I drove down to team camp at Coastal Carolina just to just to watch. I started to get to know the guys a little bit and see <laughs> kind of style of play. And I remember following the bus. You're driving the bus. We were, I don't know if we were going to a game or coming back from a game. I don't know. We pulled off and parked at the track. And guys just got out and started running. <laughs> so I, I parked next to the bus and say, hey, well, you know, John, what's going on? He said, somebody said something they didn't need to be saying. And so we're going to run. I'm like, well, you know what? I, I, I knew at that point I was in the right place, you know, to, to, that your heart was in the right place. That I knew we're going to win games. But like you said, you were trying to build, build better men. <laughs> just watching those kids get out there running their practice jerseys. I, I'll never forget seeing that. I loved it. <laughs> yeah, I actually remember that pretty well. I remember later on that trip, they were late for somewhere else. And we got them up that night, <clears throat> did a little extra work as well. But I think those are things that will teach some serious lessons with young men. Coach, talk a little bit about some of your mentors. I mean, I know you worked uh, at high school with Tim Whipples, one of the great coaches in South Carolina prep basketball history, and you worked with Eddie Fogler at South Carolina. Talk about your mentors and what they taught you. Well, you know, Coach Tim Whipple – is all about excellence. And I was a student manager. <laughs> he was a guy that took very good care of me. He didn't have to. I wasn't a guy that wasn't gonna, I wasn't gonna help them win games. I wasn't gonna lose them any games. <clears throat> Excuse me. He just really took good care of me, but he expected excellence out of everybody. And seeing his pre preparation, just seeing his excellence, how he treated people and, you know, I just took that from him and he always took really good care of me. I mean, he's the one that really helped me introduce me to coach Eddie Fogler and gave me an opportunity uh, to become a student manager uh, at the next level. And then working with coach Eddie Fogler, he treated us very well, but he expected and demanded excellence out of us as well. And just over time, you know, I think we earned his respect by how hard we worked and what we did. And just one thing about coach Fogler, you always had to be on time be honest and work really hard. Coach Fogler wasn't, um, he wasn't hard to work for. You knew exactly what he wanted and what he, you know, what he demanded out of you. You know, he just expected you to work really hard and do your job. And he would let you do that. And I also, one thing I always appreciated about Coach Fogler, you always knew where you stood with him. There was no, well, I'm not real sure what he thinks about you, about me. He would tell you. If he didn't like something, he'd flat out tell you. Now, it may not be always the nicest thing in the world, but he'd always tell you, but he would also do everything he could for you. 
I mean, there was a time me and Jeff DiBattista wanted to work North Carolina basketball camp. He made a couple of phone calls. <clears throat> we went up there and we worked basketball camp. I wanted to go work the Michael Jordan basketball camp. He made a couple of phone calls. That was easy. He gave me an opportunity to do that. He didn't have to do that for me. And then you think about it. He gave, at the time in college basketball, I was a student manager, graduated. He became, he gave me the opportunity to be his special assistant, which is at the time was the, basically the dobo of basketball <clears throat> at an SEC school out of a recent college graduate. I mean, that was incredible that he gave me that opportunity. And so that is something I'll always tremendously uh, respect. Let's, well, um, you remind me of a story I heard, or not a story, I was talking to a guy, I happened to meet a guy who was doing video for the New York Giants under Tom Coughlin. And he'd been with the Giants like 15 years. So before Coughlin was there, I said, I said, is it hard to work for Coach Coughlin? Is it tough? And he said, not at all. He said, you know your job, you do your job, and everything will be fine. And, it, you know, he said, it's not that hard. Everyone thinks it's difficult, thinks that he's, you know, but do your job, be, you know, right, be on time, do what you're supposed to do. And he said the same thing. You always knew where you stood with Coach Coughlin. And I am going to say this. I worked for Coach Fogler for one year, and I loved it, and I'm still not sure if he likes me. So, <laughs> well, it took me years to even to feel figured that out that he really liked me because he was just he was a business guy, but he always took good care of us. I mean, and he was you know if if he wanted us to as student managers, we'd go get lunch for him sometimes. He would always buy us lunch. So he, I mean, he he took really good care of us when he certainly didn't have to. When when I hear other stories, other student managers. Their head coach, they didn't take care of them like Coach Fogler took care of us. I think about Coach Fogler. I think, well, I think the world of him, and I think about just great boundaries. I mean, you, he will be very clear with you about what he's willing to do and what he's not willing to do. And uh, I, I tell you what, it's just that it would, when, when you left to go to Ben Lippin and for me to call him up and to say, hey, I, Need some need some help here. If you if you know somebody, got to find got to replace John. This is going to be it's going to be tough. You know anybody? And then just kind of off the cuff, ask him, Hey, do you want to sit in on interviews when we start? And he said, Yeah, give me a call when it when it comes time. And so called him, and he sat in on a few of the interviews, which was fascinating to to watch him in a in an interview process again with those boundaries of just throwing out a question. And my favorite question that he asked was <laughs> said, So if the bus leaves at six. And your best player is not there. Um, you know, it's it's six oh five. What do you what do you do? And some people would answer like, well, you know, I maybe wait wait till six ten. So, oh, so now the bus leaves at six ten. Well, no, I mean it leave we'll leave at six. Well, then and this watch guys just whoo. It was it was it was a real hoop in there. He was, but he's just the the most caring and giving and well boundary guy I've ever I've ever known. Yeah, I, absolutely. And I still take that <laughs> to this day. I mean, my last year. There at Ridgeview, <clears throat> I remember I left um, a young man. We had a playoff game on the road. We were pulling out of the parking lot without him. Mm-hmm. Now, he, he he caught up to us by the end of the driveway. But, <laughs> you know, but when it was time to go, it was time to go. And, you know, that, those are lessons that those young men have to learn because that's the way real life works. Mm-hmm. That's right. So – I, would, I just want to tell a quick story oh, go ahead. Yeah. about that, about those lessons. I had a uh, starter <laughs> for me. We were getting on the bus, and we started heading to the game, and he pulled out his uniform and realized he had his home uniform and not his road uniform. 
And he said to me, what am I going to do, coach? I said, you're not going to play. <laughs> like, well, you don't have the right uniform. And he actually said to me, he said, can I have such and such uniform? The kid who was decidedly our last player on the bench. And I said, absolutely not. He remembered his uniform. And when they were in high school, he would always bug me about this story. And he just, I was at his college graduation party last spring. And him and a couple of the guys were sitting around and they said, it makes so much more sense now why you didn't let me play that game. Mm. You know, and I was like, yeah, you didn't have your uniform. It's not that, it's not that difficult, actually. It wasn't a difficult decision. Now, let me ask you this. Did you keep your policy the same thing next year? Did you let the – or did you start washing the uniforms and hand them out yourself? <laughs> <laughs> the only time I ever had a guy bring the wrong uniform. Okay. <laughs> right, listen, I didn't start a kid two times this year because he didn't have his warm-up shirt with him. Well, it's not – guys are supposed to have what you're supposed to have. I completely agree with that. <laughs> so, now you have coached. You were at – uh, let's see, so it's 13 total years in, in public school basketball. Is that right? Yes, I just finished my 13th year. Okay, so 13th year, you've made the playoffs in all 13 years, right? No, my first year at, at Ridgeview, we did not. That's right. Okay, so 12 out of 13 years. So the winning, my point is the winning is taking care of itself. So, But yes. how do you truly define success for each team that you coach? The reality is – I may not really fully know the success I have ever on certain kids' lives. Mm. <laughs> but, you know, to me, I want to win every single game we play. I do. But I, wanna, I remember I always would tell a kids a story. What would you rather be? Would you rather be 20-1 and one, or would you rather be, uh, say, 15-11? and 11? And they're like, oh, Coach, that's easy. I want to be 20-1. and one. I said, well, if you're 20 and one, that means you had a great regular season, but you lost in the first round of playoffs. If you're 15 and 11, that means you played for a state championship. And then so they started thinking about that. And I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, you trick them a little bit with that to get them to think. But to me, it's not about the number of wins. It's about, you know, you know the quality of wins you get, the quality of the experiences. But to me, in the end, it's really be, how are they going to become as young men later down the road? You know, how are they going to be as a father? How are they going to, you know, I wonder what are some of our young men, how are they acting now? Some of them are probably facing some serious real life situations uh, during this coronavirus crisis. So to me, I may not fully know the total success. I mean, I've, I've had some teams win a lot of games, but I, I, I questioned that I teach them enough lessons off the court. So to me, the, the reality is, you know, it's almost an ongoing thing whether you really evaluate whether or not it was a, a, a true success from that standpoint. You know, you know, that's music to my ears and um, just, it just there's so much more, in my opinion, that play than, than wins and losses. And you know, like going back to what we're talking, telling stories about going to New York and all those experiences, getting to, to see that and all the places that you took our guys at the time, like it's just, it's just incredible. And, and, and putting them in real life, situations and you know where it's in in their verbiage is high school basketball but now like you're right that's a great point about the the, the state of the world right now and how how our guys are handling it. i would like to think and i believe that they're able to call on that experience and say yeah you know 
had to run my tail off. Back to that track story, I had to run my tail off. If I can handle that, then I can handle this. You know, they may, they may not be able to be conscious about that, but there's just that experience after experience after experience that, that you're able to provide as a coach. You know, you know, you know, I love that. That's music in my ears. Yeah, I mean, to me, it's all about, it really is about, I'm more aware of it now than maybe when I first started coaching. You know, I remember something, I believe it was Coach Odom said. He first cares about his players as people. Second, as students. And third, as basketball players. And to me, that's always stuck with me, resonated with me. And to me, that's how I want to prioritize when I coach with my players. I love it. I love it. All right. Well, you know, the, the name of the podcast is The Greatest Game. So at this point, we'd love to hear about, and you know you've been a part of a lot of great games, but if you can pick one game and tell us some background information and why it's so special for you, your greatest game. Well, I, I had this, when I heard that y'all were doing this as a part of the podcast, I thought it was awesome. And it gave me time to think about some of the greatest games I've been fortunate, been a part of. You know, one of them's a Tuesday night at ESPN against Kentucky that we beat them. We had Hootie and the Blowfish in town, Dick Vitale. They stayed up really, really late that night after the game was over celebrating. There's the win at Rupp Arena later that year on senior day, which ended up being Rick Pitino's last home game at Rupp Arena at Kentucky where we won. You know, there's even the game, the Cincinnati, Antonio Grant hitting it. But you guys are about to really mess up the podcast because – to me, the greatest game that really kind of sticks out is almost like more of an experience than a game was the experience at Madison Square Garden when we took our, our Ridgeview basketball team yeah. uh, there because it was about the total experience. It was about how many players and even coaches get an opportunity in an exhibition game to play in Madison Square Garden. Uh, to me, very few. It's To me, it's the mecca of basketball um you know we we had an opportunity you know, like you said it was it was everything about the trip it was getting on the airplane and certain guys like i said <laughs> it was really funny i wish we had cell phone cameras to see their reaction <laughs> when the plane took off and then the reaction of guys of getting off the airplane getting into taxi some of them never once rode in a taxi ever before and I remember we were going to Rucker Park, as a matter of fact. We got on the subway for the first time. And actually, some of the guys struggled going through the turnstiles of the subway, and which I thought was, was obviously very funny. And all of our guys were really joking, very jovial. And then we get off at the stop to go to Rucker Park. And as we were leaving, there was a couple of homeless guys that were just laying there in the subway. And, you know, all of a sudden, they went really quiet. Like that, for some of those guys, might have been one of the first times uh, they see a homeless a guy like that before. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was some real life lessons uh, for them. And and to see our guys, we did a little shoot around at Rucker Park there in November, which thankfully it really wasn't too cold. You know, our guys seemed to really enjoy that. And then, and then we had the experience where we met with uh, Coach DiBattista and the Bishop England basketball team and had a team meal and some activities at the ESPN Zone later that evening. And that was that was like a college-like experience um, that our that our young men had an opportunity to take, and you know, just to walking around New York City, you know, is something. I was going through some of our pictures the other day. We had a big picture with uh, Troy Kennedy that went with us on the trip. He's standing in front of a big picture of Kobe Bryant, mm-hmm. 
and I sent it to him and we, we, we talked about that trip uh, for a while. And then even the day when we had the opportunity to go to Madison Square Garden, we went to, we took the Staten Island Ferry that day. So our guys were, you know, there's great pictures of us on the ferry. You know, the guys got to see the Statue of Liberty coming back and then walking up back towards it. We went through where the Twin Towers had fallen and it was still very much a construction area. And I'll never forget to this day, there was a, a gentleman out there that was sharing his story about the Twin Towers and everything that went on during the day. And the engagement on those young men's faces, their eyes and ears listened to the guy tell his story about what was going on that day was every coach and teacher was jealous of their engagement. They were 100% locked in. So to me, that was valuable. And then we go over to Madison Square Garden. We go through a different entrance. We're underneath the stands. We go to a locker room that was being used by the University of North Carolina <laughs> because they were playing later that night in the Coaches versus Cancer event. And then we go out and play a, a, a really good exhibition game uh, against Bishop England. Now, the sad thing is we did lose, but it was a really good game you know, to play in Madison Square Garden. Just let that sink in a little bit for these high school kids. There are probably not many high school players that get an opportunity to play a game, exhibition game in Madison Square Garden. Um, but we did. But to me and to have uh, you, Brian, and you, Chris, that, I, you know, what are some things that you guys remember from that trip? You want to know what I remember? I remember us trying to track down uh, Coach Letsom. And he wound up, we were walking through Times Square, and he, like, hopped out of a cab and met us there. Uh, <laughs> like a totally, like, random thing. Because <laughs> cell phones weren't as easy to text back then and stuff, and, like, he was coming in from somewhere else, and I don't know why I remember that. And I remember him literally jumping out of the cab, and we were all there. We're like, oh, Coach, how's it going? <laughs> I tell you, 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 you hit it on the head about the, the gentleman uh, down near Ground Zero um, I don't know if I've seen that picture of our guys just locked in in years, but it's it's imprinted in my head of just him showing. If if I remember, it was a like a three ring binder with pictures, yeah. and he would tell. Yep, and he would just just tell a story, tell a story, and um, I know just it, you're right. If this 100 percent present and locked in there, that's something that I'll never forget. You know, and for me. It was it was a real thrill to be back in that building. I'd been been able to be a part of that for um, uh, South Carolina in a couple of NIT championships, and the 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 smell of the building like it's something. There's there's two buildings that I know if if somebody blindfolded me and put me in the building, I would know where I was. And one of them's uh, Frank McGuire Arena, Carolina Coliseum, and the other one's Madison Square Garden. And I don't know if it's the the, the the elephants or if the circus would just been there or something, there's always that similar smell in the garden. And this to be able to see our guys running around that floor. Like you say, it's just the, just the, the, the world's most famous arena that a group, two groups from South Carolina, but specifically for our group to be able to play on that floor is just, it's absolutely incredible. And again, just a, a testament to your vision and, and, and Debo's vision too, but just for, for you to be able to put that, that trip together, was just, it was, it was nuts and I loved every minute of it. Well, it was a great trip. And then, you know, we just, we talked about the Madison square garden part, but to me, one of the best parts of the trip too was the, I believe it was the next day where we went to, you alluded to early, took the train to St. Benedict's and 
we we took the train over and then walked up a hill about a mile or two to St. Benedict's and probably not exactly the nicest part of town. Uh, <laughs> from what I, I remember, to scrimmage St. Benedict, who was coached at the time by Coach Danny Hurley, and their team was so good. Mm-hmm. They were so talented, but our guys, I thought, played fairly well and played with no fear. And, and I felt like that helped give us a little bit of confidence. I mean, St. Benedict's beat us. But it was – we weren't completely outmatched the entire time. We were playing against some high-level uh, talent. And just, you know, that experience alone to me, just, just doing that was really, really good for our program. I'll, I'll never forget it was probably a few weeks later. I, I, taught, I, had, to, I had an opportunity to talk to Coach Bob Herb, uh, and, and I, I just we were just talking about something. I mentioned that what I took our team did to go play his son in, in an exhibition. And he told us, he's like, you took a bunch of guys, and you walked through downtown Newark and you did, <laughs> you, you did that. He goes, coach Roy Williams went up there and he got his car stolen up there. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, that probably wasn't, <laughs> that probably wasn't the smartest move on my part at the time. Probably uh, as an athletic director, you probably have an issue with that, but um, thankfully we got through there and I did stand very close to uh, to Coach Letson at the time, who provided a nice bit of security for us uh, as we walked through there. But it was just a overall really good cultural experience for us. And it, 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 the trip was about basketball, but it wasn't about basketball. Hmm. It was about these guys taking their first flight. It was about these guys experiencing, you know, things as a team. It was experiencing ground zero. It was experiencing a place like Rucker Park, having great pizza on the side of the street. I mean, it was a lot of those different things that, you know, when I talk to some of our former players, they, they still love that trip. And to me, you know, we're talking about a trip in a game, but that experience to me was probably one of my favorite that I've ever been a part of. Oh, yeah. Well, it's, it's interesting you talk about the experience, Coach. Um, the summer coach Darren Horn took over South Carolina. We had a chance to go to, uh, to Central Europe, to uh, Czech Republic, Slovakia, and Austria on one of those summer trips and we had a chance to go to a concentration camp in the Czech Republic. Mm-hmm. And it was the same sort of thing you were talking about with nine 11. Like the guys were laughing, having a good time in all these different places we went. But when we went to a concentration camp, the mood was decidedly different. The second we stepped off the bus at this place and you know, most of them had an idea of what went on at something like a concentration camp, but they had no idea until we walked around and the tour guide told us all about it. And like you said, you could see the locked in, uh, you know, that the kids were locked in. Um, you know, this is completely different than anything they had experienced so far in their young lives. I'm a big believer in experiences. Um, that, that teaches you a lot more than anything you're going to watch on TV. You're going to listen to people talk. <laughs> You can go see, feel, and touch, and smell different things. That will teach you so much. Coach Rosefield, anything else? I, I tell you what, that uh, it is a it's a great story. Uh, I can't think of anything else with that with that trip that uh, we 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 talked about it throughout the whole episode here. So it's pretty neat to kind of relive <laughs> that, and then the. Uh, I hate to ruin your surprise there with that one, but uh, no, I think that dovetailed really, really nicely. It was really, really neat. 
Well, Coach, we, yeah. we like to wrap things up here by uh, we ask this question. If I asked a player who played for you in 2005 and I asked a player who played for you in 2017, what would they say is the one thing or a couple of things you say over and over again? It could be a coaching point. It could be sort of a funny quip. It could be something you always yell during a game. What's the one thing they're, they're sitting around with their buddies going, ah, oh, Coach Combs always used to say blank. You know, there's probably a couple. Two of them that come to mind. Next play. I say that way too much. Next play. Next play. And then one of my other sayings, I say, all right, tonight is the most important game of your lives. Because reality is, when you're playing, it should be the most important game. I want every game that we ever play to be the most important game that we play because it's the only game you can control. You can't control anything that happened in the past. You can't control happens anything two weeks from now, two days from now. You can only control what's there. So the next play, and tonight is the most important game that we'll play, probably <clears throat> the two biggest. Oh, I love it. I love it. Yeah, next play, that's uh... – Again, music to my ears. It's uh, why, why why are we gonna dwell on the past? Let's go ahead and we got next play. We got another one coming. What a what a great game because that that next play is coming quick in basketball. So, um, John, just can't thank you enough for for coming on and, and joining us for our, for our podcast here. I know that you've got a couple of things going on. You've got your own podcast, but what would you like to share with our listeners about maybe ways to to follow you on social media about your podcast and anything that you'd like to promote? Well, I'd love for people they can come connect with us on social media at John Combs 98. Uh, also did start a podcast uh, it's at Ball Meadow State where we just try to interview different coaches and have some fun. I'd love for people to come follow us on Twitter and get a chance to listen to a couple of our episodes. Oh, great. Well, yeah, it's, uh, I can tell you from, from experience listening to it, it's fantastic content. You're doing a great job with that. And again, can't thank you enough for coming on. And so for my co-host, Chris de Blasio, I am Brian Rosefield. And thank you for listening to this episode of The Greatest Games. Mm-hmm.